chapter 4, First Peter 4. We're going to begin our reading at verse 12 and then read through the end of this chapter. First Peter 4, beginning at verse 12. What we hear now is God's word. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. <clears throat> but let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. <clears throat> Well, Peter continues to encourage uh, the church he is writing to, encourage them, particularly in times of difficulty. That is a theme that has woven itself through this letter as we've, as we've been studying it for the last several weeks and months together. A theme that began back in chapter 1, verse 6, where he said, In this you rejoice, Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Reminding God's people that trials will come from chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. From chapter 3 at verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. He has dealt with suffering with difficulty, with trial in the life of the believer. And now he turns his attention to that, which he's mentioned a number of times, he turns his attention to that more particularly, beginning at verse 12 of chapter 4. <clears throat> How do we deal with difficult times in our lives? How did the church there deal with difficulties? They knew the words of Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. They might have expected a time of glory to come upon the church. But this would begin a time of persecution of the church that would last for nearly 200 years. 
dealing with hardship, with difficulty in the life of the believer. In, in some ways, tonight's sermon is, is the other side of this morning's sermon. This morning, we talked about the assurance and the glory that we have as believers, knowing that God will come again for that final judgment and the assurance that gives to us. Yes, that is the case in the last day. We will be vindicated. But what about now? Now, on this side of glory, when we still face times of trouble and times of trial, Peter writes to give encouragement to the New Testament church. He writes to give encouragement to us as well. And he begins that in verse 12 by saying this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. In times of trial, Peter says, don't be surprised. Now that's, that's not often preached today. What we often hear from the pulpit today is, look, if you believe in Jesus Christ, your life will get better. Things will be fine for you. Are you having a difficult time paying your mortgage? Believe in Jesus Christ, and things will get better. Or do you have sickness in your life? Believe in Christ, you'll get better. The so-called health and wealth gospel. But that is no gospel at all, and certainly does not comport with what the scriptures teach. Peter says, don't be surprised. In fact, you should expect it when trial comes upon you. God has never promised that those who love him will have no trial in their life. But what he has promised is that when those trials come, he will be with us to take us through. Do not be surprised at fiery trial when it comes to test you. He says, you are sharing in Christ's sufferings. You are sharing in the suffering of Christ. Now, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. When he says sharing in Christ's sufferings, he is not in any way suggesting that there is any lack in the suffering of Christ, as if Christ didn't suffer enough for us. No, what he is saying is, look, Christ is no longer here, and so now we, as those who are united with him, will bear the weight of the sufferings that he had while he was in this life. Christ's life was a life of suffering from beginning to end. Christ, who would, who would leave the glory of heaven, who would take on flesh and blood, take on our humanity, humble himself, to live as a man on this earth and be hungry and be thirsty and be tired. Christ would be rejected by the crowds and ultimately rejected by his closest followers. His life was a life of suffering. And Paul says, Peter says, if you are united to him, you will share in that suffering. As the world hated Christ, so it will hate the believer. And yet he says, you are sharing with Christ's sufferings, and you may also rejoice and be glad 
when his glory is revealed. Yes, there will be trials in this life. Yes, we will share in the sufferings of Christ, but that is not the end of the story. He says, in this, you are to rejoice, verse 13, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Now, when he says rejoice in sharing in the sufferings, he's not saying rejoice because of the trial. Oh, I'm so glad God gave me this trial. What he's saying is you can rejoice when these trials come upon you because they remind you whose you are. They remind you that, that when you face trial for the sake of Christ, it's evidence you belong to him. We've spoken before that Peter wants to give us more of an eternal perspective. When we're going through difficulty, when we're going through trial on this earth, our vision gets so myopic and we only can see what's in front of us. And Peter says, you've got to see beyond that, beyond the trials of this life, to the glory that awaits. And therefore, you can rejoice. Kids, it might be something like this. Kids, suppose I told you I was going to take you to Disneyland. Oh, that would be so much fun. We would go on It's a Small World. We would go on my favorite ride, Pirates of the Caribbean. I would buy you a corn dog from the Golden Horseshoe. We would be there from the beginning at rope drop, and we would stay until the end after the fireworks. It would be a glorious, glorious day at Disneyland. You say, oh, Reverend Emar, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. But then I told you, I'm going to take you to Disneyland. We're going to have a great day. But before that, before we enter into the park, I'm going to have you work for me for 15 minutes. And it's going to be such hard work. You're going to feel like it's 15 hours. It's going to be so hard for you to do. After that comes Disneyland. But for now, it's 15 minutes of really, really hard work. Kids, that pales in comparison to the glories of heaven. Peter wants to give us an eternal perspective. We will spend an eternity with the Lord. Eternity boggles our minds. Psalm 90 says that here on this life we might have 80 years. Even if those 80 years from beginning to end were years of trouble and trial, what does that compare to 8,000 years or 80,000 years with the Lord in eternity? And that's just the beginning. No, he says you can rejoice even in times of trouble now because you know the glory to be revealed later. You know that you share now in Christ's sufferings so that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. There is joy coming in the future. Joy in the morning. 
for those who know Jesus Christ, even if we live now in times of trial, in times of hardship, and in times of suffering. Peter says we can have joy not only because of what's coming in the future, but we can have joy right now in the present. Look what does it say in verse 14? If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Not you will be sometimes later. No, if you are insulted now for the sake of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you now. Not just a glory to be revealed in the future, but the spirit of God and his glory rests upon you now. And in these words of the spirit of God and the glory of God resting upon his people, he's making allusions to the glory of God as it rested upon the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God in the Old Testament. Earlier in this book, he has made reference to the fact that we are believers being built up, chapter 2, verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, an allusion to the temple, now an allusion to the tabernacle. What was the tabernacle? It was the place where God dwelt with his people. You are blessed now because God is with you. You are blessed now, even in the trial, because his grace will be with you. And, and we know that not only, not only biblically, but experientially in our lives. When everything is going fine, when our life is very smooth, it's easy for us to forget that these things come by the grace of God. But in times of trial, in times of hardship, we're reminded that our entire life is a gift of his grace. And we need him every single day right now. And when you are suffering, he says, even now, the glory of God rests upon you like his glory dwelt on the tabernacle. God is with us now in times of trouble. Oh, he does say this joy is only for those who suffer for the name of Christ. That's what he says in verse 15. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or a meddler. If you suffer for that, you're just getting justice. This is what you deserve. No, he says, if someone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in that name. Glorify God in suffering as a Christian. We talked in my catechism class this morning about Christ and his anointing and that we are called Christians. We share in the anointing of Christ. And what a, what a, what a privilege that, that if we should suffer for the sake of Christ, it is because God, God allows us to be worthy to suffer for his name. God allows our, our link with Christ, the anointed, and our anointing to be so close 
the reproaches that would fall on him now fall upon us. We do face trials. We do face difficulties in this life, but we can face them with confidence. We can face them with joy. Perhaps, perhaps you face trials in your job because you are a Christian. Perhaps uh, certain uh, opportunities for advancement are not yours because you choose to honor God and honor his day and will not desecrate the Lord's day by unnecessary work. Perhaps that causes you uh, an end of a certain part of your career. Perhaps, perhaps you are in a relationship where, where your commitment to godly purity will, will force you to perhaps even lose that relationship. Say no to that relationship because you're committed for the sake of Christ. Maybe Maybe you have difficulties with friends or, or with family members because of your biblical stand on the importance of coming to worship. Even more important to come to worship than to stay at the family gathering for one more hour. We may be persecuted for the sake of the name. And yet, yet Peter says, in this you can rejoice. And then, then he concludes this section by talking about coming judgment. And he concludes this section, I think, in the most surprising way. He talks about times of trial, they're going to come. He talks about the joy we can have in them. But then he says in verse 17, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. It is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. We often think about judgment upon the wicked. Peter talks here about judgment in the household of God. Judgment here with the connotation of, of discerning the difference between the true believer and one who is not the true believer. And, and I guess that really shouldn't surprise us because think about the Old Testament. To whom did the prophets go? Did the prophets primarily go to the Philistians, go to the Phoenicians, go to the Canaanites? Well, the prophets came to Israel to warn them to the people of God. God will come in judgment. It should not surprise us that that continues here in the New Testament. We think of a prophet like Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 9, we read this. Now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub on which it rested to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed in linen who had the writing case in his waist. And the Lord said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. And to the others, he said, pass through the, through the city after him and strike. Your eye shall not spare, nor shall you show pity 
kill old men outright, young men and maidens, little children and women, but touch not the one on whom there is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. Judgment coming to the house of God. Judgment to determine who, who truly is a follower and who is just going through the motions. Again, from another Old Testament prophet, the prophet Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets, reading in Malachi chapter 3, Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi. The purifying fire, the refiner's fire coming to the church to the people of God. You know what a refiner's fire is, kids? If you, have a, if you have a metal like silver, you put that in a really hot fire and, and the, the fire heats that up and the silver's in a bowl and all the, all the impurities of the silver, they kind of float to the top and you can scoop them off. The refiner's fire is to make pure silver, the best silver. He says that's how God comes to the church as a refiner's fire, as a fuller's soap. And again, I said this is surprising to me, but I guess it shouldn't be. Think about the history of the church. When the Reformation came, the Reformation came within the church. The Reformation was not about separating the church from the world. It was about separating the true church from the false church. God's refining fire to demonstrate the purity, the genuineness of our faith. And again, that's, that's where we, we began in our study of Peter uh, so many weeks ago. Peter 1, verse 6, And in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When God comes in trial it is to refine us. It is to purify us. It is to demonstrate the genuineness of our faith in him. And then, Peter says, again, verse 17, it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly? And the sinner. If God comes to us in judgment to purify and refine and we barely make it through, what about the unbeliever? There is no hope. There is no opportunity, no chance for the unbeliever to withstand the fire of God. And so Peter would call out once again tonight, do not reject 
the call of the gospel. Do not reject this Jesus Christ, the one who loves you, cares for you, is with you in trial. But put your faith in him. Trust in him even in the times of trial. Then you will know the assurance of a God who is with you. A God who walks through the trial side by side with you and even goes ahead of you through those things to lead you, to guide you, to refine you, to show the genuineness of your faith. Embrace Jesus Christ now. He concludes, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. A reminder that even our suffering is not outside of the will of God. Those who suffer according to God's will, let them entrust their souls to a faithful creator. Trials will come in the life of the believer. Don't be surprised. It will happen. We should expect it. But even in these times, that suffering is under the control of God. We can trust him because he is working his purposes out. He is refining us like silver tried by fire. Yes, we have difficulties in this life, but it's a reminder for those who are in Christ Jesus, suffering for his sake, it's a reminder we are in Christ Jesus. We have the privilege of suffering for the sake of our Lord. And while we may suffer now, as we were reminded this morning and in this text, ultimately, there is glory to be revealed for everyone who is found in Jesus Christ. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we make our confession by faith that you are in control of all things. We believe that we will reign with you forever in glory. But in this life, there are times when it's so hard to believe that. When we go through times of trial, when we go through times of disappointment, when we go through times of hurt for the sake of Christ, it's easy for us to think that you have left us, you have forgotten us. And so help us, Lord God, by the power of your spirit. Endure. Endure in these times, knowing that you are with us. We are blessed right now in belonging to Jesus Christ. Lord God, encourage us, strengthen us by your holy word, and prepare us for the week to come, that whatever lies before us, we can be, we can be sure all things unfold according to your perfect will. Hear our prayer, O oh God. For Jesus' sake, amen.